0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and today we are joined by a very new friend of mine, actually. We've only really known of each other in, I'd say, the last four or five months. Actually, six months. I'd go, I'd go further. I'd say New Year, just because it's easier that way. We met through uh, the legend and brother from another mother, that is John Benson, uh, through his Copy Pro Academy program, but this dude is one hell of a good assassin of a copywriter like legitimately quiet deadly in and out cerebral assassin cerebral assassin Tra- think triple h in his most highlight days of wrestling that level of cerebral when he comes in it, it's insane and i i love his work so with that being said please welcome my good friend craig dave hey man
1: thanks adil great intro appreciate
0: it uh no, you glad i'm you're here very true. I, every word I said is basically true. So just a quick shout out before we get started. This episode is sponsored by copyjockeys.com. That's J-O-C-K-E-Y-S.com. That is Craig's website. You guys can go check out there, see if you want to work with him and see if he's the right fit for you because uh, he isn't for everyone, but he is a badass. So, If you do get a chance to work with him and uh, by that I mean he accepts you as a client, then you can go ahead and work with him. If you're lucky to now that the end of course, the show is sponsored by Adela Marcy.com. We can go listen to previous episodes and check out my weird, insane rantings because that's what I do. So do first question right oh, off the bat. Ready. How did you get into copywriting? Cause I'm very, what? Curious, how did you get into copywriting? I'm always curious how other people started.
1: Uh, uh, I don't, uh, not to drag it on too long, but I, uh, I taught at a university for 15 years working with international students. And there's a massive, it's like the most important English exam they can ever take uh and maybe the hardest the ielts exam mm-hmm. and so i was doing training for that exam and then i started getting pounded with questions and i thought oh, maybe, there's, maybe there's a way that i can kind of duplicate myself uh right. so i don't have to so, i mean so i can you know reclaim some time for myself and not not always be pounded with grammar questions so i just started creating an online program with um video training and um, i licensed some practice exams and then, uh, you know, the, the, the marketing was next and I just, I fell in love with it. I, I, I started creating with creating, I, you know, I started with creating BSLs. Um, I went through Evan Pagan's, um, oh man, I have to look way back in time for which one that Group was. Blueprint.
0: Blueprint. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And,
1: uh, an just, just became, fa-
0: was that? It's an oldie, but a goodie.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I just, fell in love with with writing copy, especially with bSLs and uh, I found it endlessly entertaining in, in, in fact it didn't even matter to me whether the program succeeded or not. I just found it just just so fun and learning the psychology behind it and um, so had some success with that program and got into um, i was you know transitioning out of my role at the university and started looking at funnel building and digital marketing. And, um, I, you know, I just didn't get my kicks from duct taping software together and making it work. And I still found myself energized, uh, with writing copy more energized after writing than, than I even was before. So I just kind of listened to my body and
0: I'm curious about that. Do you still feel that way or no? Yeah. Are you lucky. bastard. Yeah. This is how I know I'm at the right point of transitioning out is I don't feel that way. Once I'm done I'm like breathe.
1: Okay. Well, while I'm doing it, like I mean I I what I in in terms of the position I'm in now, like I'm writing a sales page a day for a, an e-commerce company and I get a sense of completion at the end of that day. And I see it, I see my copy turn into the actual uh the actual sales page, a live sales page. And, um, I don't think there's a lot of jobs in the world, although copywriting is one of them where you get that, that we can get a feedback loop that quickly. Yeah. I can't imagine working to be honest. I can't imagine working in a, in a startup company or something, you know, another company where you work on a project for years and, years and years and years and, and maybe it doesn't even work out. So I like the, I like the rapid feedback loops, I think.
0: It's true, though, to be fair with some copywriters listening out there, it's okay to be scared about the results, by the way. I have had many a night where I've sent something, uh, I, the amount of times I've sent stuff in uh, and shit myself as I was doing it because of my, uh, not literally, but figuratively, cracked myself yeah. as I sent it in. Um, and I found out a couple of years ago, I think it was like 2016, from Drayton Bird himself, who was directly underneath David Ogilvie as um, his mm. mentor who worked very closely for years, he even said to me, he goes, there's never been a time where David was sat in a room with a client and they were about to like do the pitch that David was not terrified when he was about to deliver something. Like mm-hmm. one of the greatest ad writers of all time was absolutely scared of every client saying this is terrible. Yeah. Um, and it's a fear that's there. I mean, it's a fear that's prevalent. So I'm curious about this with you. How would you deal with that fear today? You know, the whole thing of, cause it seems like you've almost not numbed it, but you become very welcome to whole idea of like, I'm getting feedback. This is great. I can move forward versus say other writers like myself who are like, I'm getting feedback. Holy crap. This could be terrible.
1: Um, I don't know. I, I, I think there's a couple of things. Number one, um, you get to a point where you get to decide whose feedback is important to you Yeah, and not everyone's feedback is important. Um, <clears throat> so you kind of get to choose that you get to choose who's, yeah. Um, whose opinion is going to have an impact on you. Now you can have a client who doesn't have any experience or knowledge of copywriting, who has feedback that is, that is, you know, so off base. Um, you know, I mean, generally you don't want to work with those clients in the first place, but yep. um, you know, in, in, in some circumstances, they just need to vent and say something about what's going on and they want to feel that they have a part in it. And maybe that's just expressing something about, about the piece. But um, I, I, Yeah, I have kind of two reactions to copy. One is like irrational enthusiasm for how it will turn out, which I I allow myself to have for like a few minutes because I like, I I love my headline or it makes me laugh and I'll show it to a couple of friends. And and,
0: yeah, like um, the one you sent me earlier today, I did see that headline. I liked it.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got one I, I can share today, which I still think is, you know, I'm still waiting for the data back on it. But you know, data is dangerous in the sense that if you if you if you get a good result from something just really out there, it, it's uh, it, it encourages you it encourages you to keep keep being experimental and, and um, just put a contrast between opinions and feelings about copy and the actual data. What does the data say? And um, that's what's helped me separate and not feel too, um, too sensitive about feedback. If that makes any sense. I hate it. I hate it when something doesn't work. I don't like it, but I'll go and rewrite it. And, um, because it bugs me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I have a whole thing with things bugging me so much. It's the same reason. Like, so for me, it's a case of, uh, I've had such a long record of just doing one shot and done. Like I rarely have to go back and edit like my clients just be like, Hey, this is how it did. Mm-hmm. And I'm just usually by the time I finish with one client, by the time they've given me results, I'm already like three clients in with like three other people like doing their stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Thanks for the heads up. I just need to keep running this way. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise the, cause I found that I get bored very easily, which is probably why like with my product launch being out the way from when this is released. So when this is recorded, it's like yeah. a month away. By the time it's released, uh, it would have been about a month or two after the launch, or like actually a month after the launch. Um, I can tell you right now, pre-launching, terrified, absolutely terrified, but also ex- excited. What if it yeah. fails? Succeeds? What happens if we get terrible results? So in my mind, I've programmed myself to get the one, the worst percentage ever yeah. of a result, and be like, we lost money. That's what we did. We lost money, but not a lot of money, but we found our results within the first thousand dollars and maybe this is not the right product for the audience.
1: Nice. How you've, you've, you've narrowed your risk and you've, I think it's so important to to come up with your own definition of what success is and not what other people think success is, especially when you're driving your own projects and that kind of stuff. So I'm creating a live challenge for um, a music producer friend.
0: Is it free or paid?
1: uh, It's both.
0: Oh, thank God. It's
1: free to attend. And then there's an upgrade for access to recordings and uh, some bonus training material. Uh,
0: As an idea with that, if you want, like after this, not after this call, but like later in time before you reapproach your music friend, let me know how that goes because uh, I know we're on air right now, but something that we, uh, that I did with my launch was initially was just a challenge, Mm -hmm. Um, but we did it as a paid upfront challenge. Right. And uh, our conversion rate was really, really solid. Like completion rate was really, was really high, but conversion rate was insanely. Like our, our back end uh, converted at yeah. 87% and yeah. our front was ridiculous. But anyway, that's on launch. We'll see how it goes with the real thing. And you're right about having um, your own goal of what success is. And for me, this is just my own and you can agree or disagree with me. It's you have 1,000 unique visitors to a website for you to actually determine like they're targeted was just for this specific product. Okay. But you see how it converts cause you'll have a thousand people. Then you can see it very quickly. A thousand you have a true metric. A hundred is a skewed metric. Mm-hmm. A thousand is a true metric in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And that, and then that being spread out over, over the course of 10 days so you can see, what what the variation is, people's buying behavior on weekends is different than it is during the weekdays, and then there's some days of the week where it's different compared to others,
0: and, so. and also time yeah. that it's actually bought. Some yeah. people might buy at 3 a.m., uh, because 3 a.m. my time, but it's like midday in like it's just like late afternoon in um in California, yeah. That could be a variable. It's always interesting when you get coffee stuff like this, like coming up, you're like, Oh, I wonder how it's all gonna come out. Well,
1: it, it allows you also, I mean, uh, who knows who knows what's grumbling in the tummy of facebook at that time too if, yeah. if that's what you're relying on and who gets to see those ads so i think those factors if you if you hold them you know kind of hold them in your head it actually helps you separate yourself from from the copy and the results yeah the stuff that you're in control of are the words there are things that you're not in control of. well time i guess you're in control of day of week you're in control of but there there are always some factors that that may have nothing to do with the words that you've actually written
0: yeah i mean there are times there was uh we mailed an ad once i remember joe joe sugarman talked about this as well um it was one of the first times that he was like okay we've got everything in place it's going to be a huge success we spent all this money and then uh, the first hurricane in like 20 years blows through chicago the day that (laughs) he decides to go live and just destroys everything that he's built he's like wow He's like, act of God, if you could ever find one stopping me from doing this. Um, I used to laugh at those
1: things in insurance things. Act of God. These things will never happen. And then they do oh crap.
0: Dude, I, Corona was the f- weirdest one. We did a product launch for a client of mine. Uh, mm-hmm. It did. We barely broke even. Right. We barely broke even. Um, like we made like a hundred dollar profit. Mm -hmm. that was it we made a hundred dollar offer like profit i was like are you shitting me this should have produced like a quarter of a million dollars of a revenue thing and you bounce back from that oh i spoke to them like Mm -hmm. they broke even that was it they just broke even we were like look people it's the time the coronavirus came out it's a product that basically required you being around other people Mm -hmm. Uh, and it wouldn't have worked otherwise you're in quarantine of course you can't go out so with that being said, we just looked and went, all right, cool, you made your money back, that's fine, let's call it even and have a good day. I made zero money on my dividend. Right. but like I got paid a low upfront fee to do this, so I did. Uh,
1: and, and they have those assets that they, they can use at another time. and, and They can,
0: and of yeah. course, my agreement stays with that because it says anytime they use the asset, I still get paid. Very good. Yeah, and I'm on their mailing list so they know. <laughs> like under two different pseudonyms. So I've got a second email address that's just like not under my actual name. Yeah. So it just keeps things, it keeps me accountable with some of my clients cause so I've had it in the past and it sounds suspicious as fuck. I've had it in the past with clients where they won't actually pay their dividends and you have to go through like the whole process.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's pain in the ass, but thankfully 98% of my clients in the last 10 years have been all amazing. It's only in the first couple of years I got taken advantage of.
1: You know, it's interesting. This is a problem that I didn't have earlier in my copyright career, but we were talking a little bit about this. And 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 sometimes, uh, well, what I'm discovering is opportunity overwhelm. Yeah. Where you've got a successful track record, people are starting to approach you and present you with opportunities. And um, it's it can be really hard to know what to say yes or no to. And um, what I found is, just what the simple shift in terms of how I um, uh, how I uh, design the client interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about this. You had it, such a great tip. Um, I just wanted to share it with you because okay, oh, it's sure. just a sentence. Um, but I think that you know if you can build this in. So um, so I've got a section which what's included, what's not included. Okay, and one of the last things on on. So, okay, in terms of not, what's not included, I don't do graphic design, I don't do video production, I don't do Facebook and email ad setup or campaign management, and I don't do interruptions. So, so I just said, feel free to send all concerns um, about the project via email only, I'll collect them all and we'll address them during our, one point, you know, our weekly 1.5 hour call. And then I had an entire section on distraction-free working relationships. And just said, to manage workflow, you know, to manage workflow. and I put it in their world, I don't allow other clients to interrupt the work I'm doing for you, right? So giving clients 100% of my attention requires me working interruption-free blocks of times. Yep. That's why we're moving all of non-urgent, non-emergency needs for a 1.5-week call. And the question is, what a client thinks is an emergency and urgent is, is different than what most people think. So how do I, how do I, you know, position myself for that? So I took oh, this advice, okay. I took this from Colin, Colin um, you give them hotline access, yes. so it's a number, it's a number where you'll pick up the phone when they call, but they're billed at 275 an hour. That's what I have. I should probably increase it.
0: Yeah. So, I, I, for something like that. It's literally 500 bucks for every phone call or text on my days off. Yeah, I've, uh, nice. and it's even worse when like, you know, someone's because uh, just to interrupt very quickly, you yeah. know, when you get those serial texters, the ones that like they can send a message in a paragraph, but they send you like 15 small messages because they don't know. It's, it just annoys me. My, com- my phone commits suicide. It falls off by vibrating off. It's really bad. So I joke about that. But like the thing that I've actually found as a way around it is I say this to my clients. Like if you have something, text me in one text, put it all in there. I had a client send me nine messages, freaking out, and their response. Back, my only response back was, "Here's my PayPal link, because you know this is a <laughs> this is my day off." Yeah, um, and it was set to the actual fee, and you know it's nine by five hundred. So he had to pay me four and a half grand for me to address this emergency on my day off.
1: Wait, nine by five, what do you mean nine by
0: five hundred? He sent me nine messages, so it's five hundred dollars per message. Uh, By every interruption you give me in a day is $500. So if it was a single long message, it would have only cost him 500 bucks because it was nine. He got charged four and a half grand for it.
1: <laughs> That's good. That's really, really good. I like that. It's so useful. Um, so just
0: to, sorry, just to finish that off. Um, yeah. To say that, oh, would they really pay four and a half grand for sending nine messages? No, they didn't. They argued with me for two and a half hours when I got on the phone with them. And I said, great, you now owe me more. And they're like, why is that? Like, you just wasted two and a half hours of my time arguing with you over something that's arbitrary. So in the end, I think we like finished up and just said that it was two grand. Um, and what he would it would just basically it would be two grand now. And we would mm-hmm. increase the percentage I take from the ad by like two percent. So I get two percent more than I would have gotten before.
1: Mm, okay yeah
0: they go up to nine percent so i was happy with that and
1: and, and having these things in place is what allows you to actually juggle and add more clients and bring more income in it's kind of counterintuitive but it's you know um and and, you know and also learning what to say no to and and listening listening to that so yeah that's kind of a, a new space that i'm in and and Another challenge, another interesting area is where you're working as a contractor for a client and they, uh, I was told, I was told yesterday that I'm a threat to their business. Really? How so? What an interesting word to use. Um, well, basically they're, they're, they're ramping up, um, and accelerating the number of SKUs that they're producing as an e-commerce company. And they're dependent on me producing these sales pages. Right. their whole scaling plan is depending on how much I can actually put out. And um, so they're already mitigating against that because they realize like, if I get sick, you know, uh, there are a lot of people, I think some business owners don't appreciate this or maybe even some copywriters don't appreciate it, but there are a lot of people dependent on your copy working people in the company who's who feed their children and pay their bills. Uh, and can do that because you have copy that sells and and so you know i think what's happening with this client is i'm going to be transitioning into more of a a mentor role where i'm working with copy cups and i I, and it sounds like you have experience with that too the first time you uh what what are some big takeaways you got uh things you wish you knew before you uh got into that
0: what like as in teaching working with copy working with copy cups uh, I put everyone through a process. Yeah. Okay. Like I actually, I, I find out what you know already and I know not every copywriter has this, but it's an obsession I have with understanding mm-hmm. more about stuff and you know, it's evident because um, my brain just keeps pulling this shit in. So I know most yeah. people's systems. Like I, I either know their system because I've taken that course or I know the owner yeah. of the system and I've had a conversation with them about, with them about it. Uh, so I know that the way of their thinking. Um, and again, that comes down to my superpower being able to emulate almost anyone's voice and thought processes just by basically spending enough time around them. Um, with that being said, the way that I mitigated a lot of the disasters that came with it was I'd always ask who have you studied under? What books Mm -hmm. have you written? What books have you read? Who have you studied under? What was your biggest producing ad if you've written one? Um, Mm -hmm. if they haven't, they're like green as can be. I send them a message to say, Hey, listen, go out and just write a couple of sales letters and emails. Doesn't have to be for paid clients. Doesn't even have to have results, but send them to me for me to read. Or I'd even go further and say, write an email sequence around this website that I own, send me the copy and let me see how good it is. So what they're doing is they're initiating yeah. themselves by proving themselves about how good they are. Yeah. Because if I read a sales letter, I can usually tell how far along on your journey you are. Um, and that's why I'm like, yeah, cool you're this far, you're this much of a serious threat, or you have this much potential. Great, let's get you under And if there's someone that I just doesn't fit right with me, I always say to them, hey, listen, you're not the right fit, I apologize. Um, let me find you someone that I can help you with. Or if this is still a career that you wanna pursue, let me send you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And usually by that point, I give them a couple of recommendations. Um, but the other way is that I, uh, when I train my cubs, it's essentially they get in, um, they're put through all the same training process. They have to read the exact same books. They have to watch all the same movies and they have to send me a book and movie report, uh, over the month, the first month they're training with me. Um, and then in month two, they start getting small. So they get small, uh, projects from me saying, I need an email re- written for this, the entire time, like go out and find clients, go out and find clients, go and sharpen your own blade.
1: Mm-hmm. But I'm
0: going to send you other stuff as well to sharpen your blade further. And if you've got client stuff and you send it to me, even better because then I can actually work with it with you and show you where you went right and wrong and how you can implement that. And I teach conceptually, not so much in the moment. So I'll show them why a word works or doesn't work, and then break down why the conceptual concept goes around it. So yeah. it doubles down. So that's basically what I wish yeah. uh, at the start. So if anyone to summarize it, it's a case of the right information and accountability will be perfect for like new copy cuts.
1: Yeah, great accountability and then opportunities to uh, yeah to prove themselves. Um, yeah, like for this e-commerce job, I had not written about these type of gadgets before, and I was just thrown a task like, here's here's the gadget, um, write a page on this, and the page needs to be no longer than you know x x number of words. How would you sell this? Here's a gadget, here's some images, um, and see how they handle that. You know, before I mean, I've got some frameworks now for the for the way that we actually um, write our sales pages. But um, yeah, I like I like how I was thrown into that. Yeah, and um, also there's a tolerance there's a tolerance for risk at this company, and a tolerance for for learning and a learning curve,
0: which is which great.
1: Um, is so unusual and rare, and and for the right. Um, for the right personality and the right copywriter, that's it's golden.
0: Yeah. You got to have the right personality with it. Like I know for myself that is not something that I could, uh, I could go into and do. Like that kind of situation would – like younger me would be able to, older me would not be able to. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I'd look at something like that and be like, yeah, you got to follow this thing and do this. And I'm like, I know, rebellion brain.
1: <laughs> ah, but I wasn't given you got to do this and follow this. Oh, founded. Okay, so just.
0: No, I was innovating. I I was innovating.
1: What's
0: that? So you're just basically giving a challenge of like innovate on this idea and write. Oh no, I love those. Those I love. Actually, I want to touch upon that a little bit further with you. So I've written in well over four hundred markets, done over thirteen thousand campaigns in multitudes of different fields, and I feel like you're someone that's exactly the same that has that gunslinger mentality of, I'll learn it on the job and I'll just do it. Because I know what I'm doing. I'll just trust that my research will carry me through. Well, at least that's how mindset is and how I perceive you to be. Um, my question to you is simply this. How do you actually get hired by a client when you haven't got the experience in that field? If you're starting out. Because like for us, once we have experience, it's a little bit easier. Yeah. But I'm saying right at the start when you're starting out.
1: Well, I mean my portfolio, the way it is now has actual client work in it. Um, the first thing I did in the portfolio was, was just use, um, a little bit of Java code. And I went into websites of landing pages of products and, and things and areas that I wanted to write about, and then just was able to change the copy on that page and then did screenshots of it. Wow. Um, and I think that if you can balance that with the training that you've taken, um, and, um, also go in with an attitude that you have to have a certain amount of, uh, self-deception. Um, it, and that's, what's actually going to get you in there. Like I was tasked with, okay, you're going to write for this lingerie brand. And I was like, all right. (laughs) And, and I had enough confidence in my abilities that, I didn't even know if I had confidence in my abilities. I just, I just went for it. And, um, I, I wasn't, I don't know. I wasn't worried about getting it wrong. And my kind of the, the dopamine receptors in my brain really lit up when I, when I was presented with this challenge. So how can I write to a female audience about some, uh, a product that helps with body image issues? Um, in a way, right, very a body positive brand in a way that um, doesn't talk about impressing other people or making other people look at you. Yeah. And I just found it it was an intellectual challenge that was interesting. And then I, for whatever reason, I found the voice. And that's something I've been gifted with and that I, you know, that I appreciate. And so I think it's a combination of jumping into, no, oh yeah, okay, I was gonna mention this too if you establish yourself as a sole propriety and give your company a name, you can take on as many clients as you want and and fuck up, especially in the beginning. Because the stuff that you do in the beginning where you screw up is probably going to be small fish clients um, that uh, are not going to have the network or the reach to really sully your name if you mess things up. You have to have good intentions and you have to work hard and show up on time and do the work and get it in on time Um, and then you can just add and, and that's great then screenshot and ask for data on how the promotion did and then you can go along you can have two wins three wins four wins then run into a client where the client relationship doesn't work and it's not successful but you don't have to mention that in your portfolio I think that like the old LinkedIn way of doing things is LinkedIn wants to see everything you've done chronologically which yeah. just gives potential clients a reason to go back and reach out and, and, and.
0: and I always say, D- yeah, don't show your duds. And I have an yeah. NDA with anything I do. So like, it's basically means that I have the, I have the choice to whether or not I'd include it in my portfolio. Yeah,
1: me too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I always make sure that my clients are well aware of this. Like, I have a conversation. You're like, look, um, so I actually stole this clothes. It is a complete steal. I will put my hands on <laughs> and say I stole it from the Wolf of Wall Street. Mm. which is I use the close. which is like, I don't want you to judge me on my winners. I want you to judge me on my losers because I have so very few statistically. Cause like if I tell someone how many losers I have, I have like 350 ad campaigns. I failed. Sounds like a lot, but then comparative to my win record, which is 13,290. Yeah. I'm taking the three, I'm taking a 300 plus loss. Like I will take 300 lost campaigns for 13,000 victories. Mm. But at the end of the day, you got to own it. And again, your eyes lit up for a second when I did, when I actually quoted Wolf of Wall Street.
1: Well, it's 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 super counterintuitive. Um, don't judge me in my wins. Judge me in my losers, and then give them some data. Yeah. And say that's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's 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 um, embracing it's bol- the suck for a moment.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, have you ever seen Boiler Room? Seen what? Boiler Room. No, that sounds familiar. though. Okay, we'll come back to that in a second. Please continue. Sorry, we were just speaking yeah. at the same time.
1: Um, it, yeah, embracing the suck and, and beating them to the objection. And, is that David Goggins? Yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I feel like it was Goggins, um, but good use.
1: Now, I, I was uh, successful in, in, in bumping up a retainer um, this week, which is nice. nice. I can't really get into too many details about that. But,
0: Congratulations.
1: Um, yeah, thanks. Was this
0: before or after we spoke this week? After. Ah, even better. Double congratulations.
1: <laughs> makes me happy. I mean, you know, if, you, if you can set clients up in, with the expectation that, you, you know, you know, I'm, uh, get ready to have your day ruined. And this is all stuff that I got from Chris Boss and uh, never split the difference. great book. It, it, this stuff is just brilliant for negotiating. But it's acknowledging, right? I've got a, I've got a number in mind right now for this project. It's more than, more than you want to pay and less than I want to charge. Now, which, which means we're probably in the right ballpark here. Um, you know, you're not gonna like this price, but here it is. And then they're prepared for a really outrageous price in their mind. And then when you then land that price, it, it, it gives them a sense of relief uh-huh. in a sense. And, and the other thing that I make sure that I do is I, never, I don't ask yes-oriented questions. I avoid them at all costs.
0: Which questions? yes and what?
1: Yes, uh, questions that are answered with a yes.
0: Oh, fair enough. Good, because there is one little thing that I've picked up from Kendrick Cleveland a few years ago that I've used in a lot of my copy. That mm-hmm. works great with selling, which is um, getting someone to say no. Mm-hmm. And the way that I do it is, I'll write the sales letter and I say, "Great, now you've read everything. Before we begin, do you have any final questions?" No, great, let's get started.
1: Okay, yeah, let's. I, I let's... even do that.
0: If that's in the sales letter. It was on a phone call. I'd be like, great. Do you have any questions before we get started?
1: That's a nice way to end a university lecture as well. No questions. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Coffee break. Um, yeah. So, um, I, you know, phrases that I use, would you be against, um, would you be against, uh, adding a thousand dollars for a fresh food budget? Is it a ridiculous idea to, um, uh, to pay for three, three conferences? Oh no, it's not. Okay. So you're prepared uh, to put that in writing oops that's a yes question uh okay so i mean but is it ridiculous is it outrageous to ask this um um, this probably seems you know this i probably sound like a loose cannon here just to condition and and it can set up what it is that you're going to ask and um i like negotiating now because i don't feel like i'm ever rejected yeah it's
0: the way that I always play negotiation is it's a game and um, I think I joked about it with another friend of mine like years ago it might have been even Anik we were discussing this like, like years ago was right. having a discussion of like brown people are like the greatest salespeople people forever like Indians in particular we haggle over everything right. like there is never a moment that you don't haggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, that, that is something that I will tell everyone right now is if you ever want to gain my respect almost immediately out the door when we're closing back and forth, like I respect you anyway at a base level, but if you really want to get my attention, negotiate the price with me. Like if I give mm. you my fee and you're like, no, that's too expensive. Don't leave with no, that's too expensive. Haggle. Fight me for the price. Try and get a good price of what you can afford. Mm. Hell, even like one of the best ones I've ever had was I said to someone like, it's 10 grand for me to do this. And their response was, okay, I can't do that. I was like, okay, like not saying that you're not worth the 10 grand, but I've only got like a $2,000 budget and that's it. What can we do? So I just negotiated the deal out with him and gave him like three and a half thousand dollars worth of like service time for like two grand. And mm-hmm. since then he referred so much business afterwards to me as well.
1: Oh. It right. just works.
0: Right. It's like yeah. doing favors, which is one of my favorite things ever.
1: Yeah. The one thing I had to train out of me was like saying yes too fast. Yes. Oh, you know, and, and that's where you lose respect as well. Yeah. And that's where, um, that's where you end up feeling resentment and that, that little resent resentment molecule that's left over the the residue from Mm -hmm. that kind of thing follows you through the job and it grows and grows and grows. Yep. Um, you know, and until it becomes something much bigger. So, um, you know. See,
0: you can use that, or you can let it burn you up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, I, how I, I would to, you use
1: it? Tell oh, me I that. used to
0: use that all the time. Like, yeah. I used to get so angry at my clients that I would slam the keys on my keyboard while I was writing, calling yeah. them every word under the sun. Like, I had a client once uh, change some copy of mine. And he had a valid reason to change it, but I kept effing and blinding through the entire rewrite process at home. Like at the time, bless her, my girlfriend, it's like years ago, we were living together. She basically looked at it and she was like, are you okay? I was like, what do you me. She goes, I swear to God, you're going to break your laptop with how hard you're slamming the keys. That letter actually went on to produce a lot of, like I think it produced like 2.3 million in the first like three weeks that we ran it, which was great. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it was like, it was written from anger. Like that annoyance that I short myself so badly produced one of, one of uh, the, uh, the letters I wrote because I was using that anger to channel it into my work.
1: Right, and to put yourself in a situation where you can get the fee that you, that yeah. you wanted without having a, a shred of self-doubt because you did yeah.
0: Exactly. Know. I mean, I did that for years before I started charging more because I was like, oh, I made you a million dollars. Great. I still charge the same fee though. It's It became a thing because uh, so few people... Well, the thing is, you get to a certain level and some people start to doubt whether or not you can do what you can do. Oh, you find that.
1: That's interesting. Tell me about that.
0: Dude, Like when you tell people that you've done over $700 million in sales in yeah. the last like 12 years and that's because you don't have the other data for the other stuff with the numbers closer to a billion, yeah. everyone looks at you like you're a weirdo, especially when they find out that you're only 30. Mm. I've had that so many times. They're like, really? They're like, yeah. I was like, I charge like 15, 20, 30 grand for this kind of thing. And they're like, Yeah, no, we can't afford it. I'm like, great. So this has happened in the past, not so much now anymore, but in the past it was I'd have to take on lower end projects just to feed myself and keep Mm -hmm. like the lights on.
1: We've all been there for sure.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's embarrassing to say that I've been there more times than I care to admit, but every time I went there, I learned something new. And right now with the new direction of what I'm doing with my business, Well, it's paying dividends almost immediately right off the bat because while, yes, I was getting shortchanged, yes, I was writing quickly and everything, but there was one aspect I had better than anyone else. In those hours that I was getting shortchanged with the amount of work I was doing, I was developing so much copy for so many people that I was looking at things differently. Right. So that's the only way I've been able to get to over a thousand campaigns a year in the last 12 years is because I was writing four or five client campaigns at a time.
1: Yeah. There's gotta be a word for that. It's not sweat equity. There's gotta be a word that works with portfolio in there somehow. Like, we have got to come up with that word. Like portfolio porn or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, you, you pull something away that just looks so good and, and okay, maybe you didn't get paid very well for it, but man, does it look good there? Mm-hmm. And portfolio. Um, okay. You can just go with art. Portfolio
0: porn. Yeah. Portfolio porn works. Uh, I can't think of any more right now. My brain is actually completely dumbfounded with that. I was like, oh shit, I should totally come up with the word of that. But curious what about. Go, on. Yeah, go no, ahead. Go ahead. No, you first.
1: Uh, no, no, no. I was just going to gripe about the question that I've discovered I hate. Which is? In, in uh, interview. I was interviewing for, the, for a copywriting job with this. I mean, it was a millennial run, cause focused marketing agency. Mm hmm. And I don't know, I just got the quote, where do you see yourself in five years? I hate that oh
0: question. Oh my God, that is the worst like, question ever. Don't, I don't know ask
1: where. Me. I, I hate that. Where, I don't know where I see myself in, in an act. Well, I
0: know where. In, in like a week. I don't see myself yeah. beyond a week. I know where this week is going and that's as far I, as we go. And even that is subject to change right now.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm just lazy interviewing thing, but. Oh, it's
0: such a bad question. I hate it. It's, why I never ask. Sorry, I know it's one of the reasons I why I never ask. even know why are asking. And what is the best
1: answer? I see myself working for you uh, you know, at, at low ball rates and giving you know, outrageous value and not asking for anything and never getting in an argument with anybody at the company
0: and um, I, quietly
1: peering into the lunchroom. Like, I,
0: went, I went the other way with a client once. I said, what do you see yourself in like five years? It's like three years I see myself retiring you. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, you're the head copywriter right now, but I want you to get the fuck out of my department as soon as you hire me. And like, what do you mean? I was like, you're going to get annoyed at me for about six months. Then you're going to realize I'm a genius. You're going to shut the fuck up and quietly quietly leave the micromanaging side of this business and let me run it for you. And then I'm going to install a dictatorship amongst the copywriters and they're going to know that they only answer to me and I answer to you. So perfect mining. And he looked at me and went, that's great. What's your fee? I told him my fee and he went, fuck, I really wish we could pay you. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I was like 20 grand above that budget. I was like, yeah, no. Yeah, I
1: I was yeah, man. Yeah. I just I just think I was future casting a miserable experience at a company that I didn't want to work at. So
0: I I've actually found this and I don't know if you have as well, but when you have what John Carlton likes to call fuck you money, you just close at a higher rate. Like you just feel like a boss going into calls.
1: Well, yeah. And I, you know, it's just eradicate neediness. How do you eradicate neediness? It's, it's, you have to do it in your own personal life and first I think. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, it starts to show up in your work.
0: I'd say dating guides are probably one of the best places. Like uh, my buddy Adam Lyons, or if you can find it, a guy called Brad P did something around neediness as well. Like specifically how to get rid of it in every area of your life. That's mm. really cool. Like once you get rid of that and have abundance, it's uh very liberating.
1: Yes. What was that question you were going to ask? Now I'm
0: curious. I can remember now. All right. This is what my brain's like. It just doesn't remember what I was going to say. It's just like, say this It's like, okay, cool. Open mouth and go. Um, so one of the questions I do want to actually ask you about, uh, specifically is what have you found when you're writing? Like actually, what do you look for when you're critiquing a sales letter that you think immediately that will help improve conversion? Like what do you see from that perspective?
1: um, So, you know, my company is called copyjockeys.com. And if you go to my website, you'll see it's very music themed. And that's kind of, I, you know, I am a musician. I'm a songwriter, mostly top line melodies and and lyrics and that. So a lot of my writing is, is lyrical, not in a fancy abstract way, but with the cadence. And um, I like to see, you know, immediate, I notice stop points. I notice when, when the flow isn't there and, Uh, so I'll notice that and vague, very vague benefits and the missing. So you can, you know, when there's a no, so you can, it stands out to me very clearly. So why is that important? What's the benefit of the benefit and the benefit of that benefit and people stop too early for the most part, they don't really dig into those secondary benefits. Um, and so, yeah, I'll notice that and the, a, lack, a lack of um, emotional contrast. And by contrast, I mean really brightening and exaggerating the, uh, exaggerating the emotion or the result, either the pain or the promise. So I'll just read this headline to you. Sure. It still makes me laugh and we'll, we'll find out how it does. But um, So 287 wows and three standing ovations later. Friends and neighbors will still be raving about this retro-styled owl steak light.
0: I love that. I actually really want to see how that works because that is... Yeah, me too.
1: Because I just built... I just got my fence built. And what I'm noticing is people are stopping their... Like, I'm I'm, I'm not... When I'm in the house, they're stopping, they're taking pictures, or I'm out there, they're talking to me. And I just wanted to exaggerate this. And I was just like, well, how many... How many wows have they... We've got a lot of people walking by here. I wonder how many wows I've collected, and and then just—it's so ridiculous to think that your neighbor, your neighborhood would gather around your deck and just start clapping and standing ovation. But that secretly,
0: was just so creepy, but so funny.
1: It's creepy, but secretly, that's secretly that's what people who care about their outdoor decor and okay. care about how their home looks. They they kind of secretly want that, even though it's irrational and it's ridiculous. Um, and the other thing, that the other lever that we sometimes pull on is making your neighbor jealous.
0: <laughs> that works too. I remember it's I so doing... primal.
1: It's so primal and so stupid. But it? Um, it hits a button.
0: It's the uh, keeping up with the Joneses. It's like when <laughs> I was doing door-to-door selling uh, for gas and electric, that was one of the first things they taught us, which is like, if you got a customer down the road, even better because you can actually tell was like, yeah, like, do you know the Jones is two doors up? Yeah. Well, they just signed up with us uh, and we got them a great deal. Let us see what we can get you. Yeah. And that's the way um, you yeah. got through the door.
1: Oh, for sure. I did one with um, this color for our RGB lighting um, that you can light up your back. And I was like, okay, it makes your, it makes your backyard look like a Las Vegas nightclub um, or it may, yeah, nightclub. Then I was like, and you can, It it looks so good. You can charge your jealous neighbors a cover charge to come in.
0: Wow. I like that. I love stuff like that. It's brilliant. And like I said to you, I really want you, hopefully by the time this uh, show comes out, you've written the damn article around uh, ridiculous headlines and the dying breed of them, because I love extraordinarily outrageous headlines like that. So.
1: One more. more
0: Ooh, go for it. One hitter. Um,
1: Three earthquakes, 15 blackouts, one zombie apocalypse. And this rugged LED flashlight still works like new.
0: Oh my God. I love that.
1: Smash it, drop it, dunk it. Only a tank is tougher, but you can't fit a tank in your toolbox.
0: I like that. I very much (laughs) like that. That is probably one of my favorite ones that you've got.
1: Like why, why not have 50, you know, three earthquakes, 15 blackouts at least. Like the the numbers are totally random. Yeah. Um, And I got one more. Go for it. Um, Look, Daddy, look, a campfire. The instant I turned on this super realistic flame LED bulb, my three-year-old daughter ran over with a bag of marshmallows.
0: Oh, that's a really good visual image as well. That's what I mean. Like, today's headlines have kind of gone down a formulaic process where they've kind of almost lost that sense of humor, if that makes sense. Like, I don't see a lot of headlines like that anymore in, like, certain markets. I think that would work brilliantly.
1: Yeah, I mean, how many times do you see the, who else wants to?
0: I hate that uh, headline. I fucking hate that headline. Colin knows how much I hate that fucking headline. It's not, it should not be used by amateurs. It's, it's a very advanced technique. Because if you do it wrong, it looks shitty. If you do it right, it's perfect.
1: Yeah, and where you do it is just as important, right? Um, yeah, exactly.
0: That's the other thing.
1: A couple other things that I've been doing too, a little bit of risk-taking is we've been doing a review test of... Uh, uh, Advertorials. Oh, well.
0: That's one. Yes.
1: So they come across as reviews, but sometimes I give up what the, what the reviewer is going to say right away. And so, uh, one, I start off with, okay, first, like the first line of this review. Okay, guys, I need to make a confession before I even begin this review. I need to get something off my chest. I'm addicted to this new RGB spotlight. I said it, I'm hooked on the rush that I get when my friends gush, your place looks amazing a hundred times or more. Ever since I added this ultra bright waterproof LED spotlight so you just saying here's the bias i love it already
0: yeah it's brilliant you're actually confirming what there is because there is a set of the market that will love the fact that you're writing something like that that truthfully
1: i do spoiler alerts too they're brilliant they're or tlt too long did reads at the top
0: yeah tldrs those are always yeah. fun. um it, I actually, i'm actually like that's one of the things that we're doing with the launch that i've got coming up next month but we'll get the metrics and i'll share that obviously on the show afterwards But one of the questions I did want to ask you is we're having, I think we're about 15 minutes left. Um, One of the questions I wanted to ask you was when life kicks you in the nuts, because life invariably will kick you in the nuts. um, How do you actually get back up when you're working? Like how do you get back up? How do you dust yourself off and how do you keep going?
1: Um, I'm going to give you an answer here uh, that's, it's, it's a little bit, uh, indirect, but, um, I don't know okay. if you've done the Colby index, but, yes. um, where I sit on there is at a, as a, is at a fast start. So I tend to go dive right into things. Same. And,
0: yeah. Yeah. What's your implementer score? That's the one I'm curious about. What's your implementer score though?
1: Oh uh, God, I can't remember that part. Um, For me,
0: that that's my weakest one. It's a three. It's the blue okay. one. I'm terrible as an implementer.
1: Uh, I did another one and, 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 trust score is my lowest, which simply means when I try to communicate in a way that's where I'm trying to persuade people that I'm trustable. Yep. It's my, it's my weakest form of communication. The best thing, mine is intrigue, intrigue and, um, yeah. And creative leadership. Wait, where did you take this second test? Oh, that, that was, um, Sally Hogshead fascinate. Okay. Hold on. Let me check. Yeah, so I was ma- maverick leader. And then you have your sort of your shadow um, areas that you should kind of stay away from. And one of those is just, um, is trying to be persuasive and using words around trust. When I'm most persuasive, when I show people what I've actually done and, and, and show them results. Right. But, but you don't really need, I think people, people tend to be a little bit more, uh, I become more trustable when I'm more intriguing and creative. Yeah,
0: like so basically rather,
1: shows,
0: than, so, rather than go?
1: Oh, sorry, just rather than, rather than speaking from a very rational point of view. Yeah, so essentially what
0: it is is that this test will show you how you uh, show up, basically the best way for you to show up for your audience in the way mm-hmm. that they communicate. So how long does it take to go through the actual test, by the way? Because I know Sally Hogshead is like, really good at her shit.
1: Yes, uh, that, that doesn't take that long. Maybe 20, 15, 20 minutes.
0: Okay, we'll 20. say half an hour because I'm slow. Okay, yeah. I'm actually, minutes. I'm going to be taking this, you do know that I'm taking this quiz right after I finish this call, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like immediately done, well, quiz.
1: Here's the thing, I would I would ask, I would maybe even make this a condition of, of your agreement is that the client does that as well. Ooh. So they see yours and you see theirs. That'd actually be quite cool because, go. Yeah, I haven't done it yet, but I, but I, I think it could really help set the relationship in the the right direction.
0: Well, I have that with my one-day consultations. Is um, the one-day consultations when I go into, when I used to go into people's offices and work with them, while I go to the house and do a one-day on Zoom or whatever in the US, Uh, we would play a game of Cards Against Humanity. Uh, It would be me, them, their C-suite that is actually there, or whoever is actually a decision-maker, we'll all get together and play Cards Against Humanity. Um, And I would actually gauge my client's responses with how I would write the advertising. So if they have a really fucked up really? sense of humor like me, if they have a really fucked up sense of humor, I'm yeah. like, you're gonna love what I've got written down.
1: Okay. If they have
0: a very conservative, vanilla sense of humor, I'm like, oh, I've got to like try a very like careful language. So I've got to go very mm-hmm. classical. So I've got, I can't go like experimental. I got to go very classical with what they want and keep within the frame. Right.
1: So coming back around to the question that you asked me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a quick start in this particular position. This was the lingerie company. Um, right. I negotiated with them that I'd be coming down to their South American country quarterly, um, and it was a verbal agreement. Big mistake. I should have got it in writing. And um, you know, uh, the first quarter they, you know, my copy helped produce 2.7 million in sales, but the but they wouldn't invite me over for these quarterly meetings and they wouldn't let me participate in their very vague bonus that they talked about because oh. I wasn't using their time tracking software.
0: Oh, I remember this.
1: And I was like, what is wrong with you people? What is wrong? Like, like the way that I've been doing it, cause I used it for one day and I said, fuck it. And then they just kept pestering me about using this. And, and so, um, it, it's weird. I had this, this, enthusiasm to you know to go hard for them and to make things work prove myself and then uh then i had to leave i had to leave because they um it didn't really honor their the spirit of their agreement and they're so stuck on on one thing they have they just can't understand how much that costs them in terms of lost productivity when you when you harass people with this retarded sorry about the word but um, remedial
0: Like it is by, it's just slowing down. We're not using it in the insulting way. We're actually using it in the literal context of the word.
1: Yeah. So that was, that was a disappointment because I, I, I expected something better from them. And when you have, you get this, this real disconnect between uh, startups who use the disruptive language. We like, we love to disrupt ourselves. Um, You know, we're, 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 I don't think innovative is the right word, but disruption, right? Um, um, we, we, we analyze our processes and we tear them apart at every quarterly meeting and re- rebuild them again, but somehow they can't or are not interested in hacking the creative process in their company. And, and that to me is the death knell. And, and that's a, that's a huge disconnect. Um, yeah. and, and I think what happens is, is people get excited, distributed teams, right? Where you're working remotely, they get really excited about software. And, um, they don't understand that it actually unleashes a whole set of new problems that they, they probably haven't anticipated. My advice to copywriters is get that in your agreement. No time trackers, yep. you're not getting paid by the hour. You shouldn't be negotiating by the hour.
0: You never no. want to negotiate for the hour. No. The only way that you yeah. negotiate for the hour is if you're consulting like I do and you get paid a fuckload of money for it because it's so mm. much more fun. But yeah. even then, yeah. like I have, I have like different packages of my consultancy, which is at the end of the hour, I'll, I'll send you the recording, but I'm not transcribing shit or editing it. You deal with that. Send me the final version. I'll make sure it looks nice by going, yeah, this what? is
1: right. hmm? Sorry, transcribing what?
0: They can transcribe the call. Oh. Because, uh, cause, like, you've seen this, but so many of my audience have heard this, where I am known for being able to verbalize copy almost on the fly about anything. Like give Mm -hmm. me a subject like the last one that we had was last Thursday at my friend's podcast where I had to verbalize a sales letter for a sex toy. Okay. By the way, had no clue. He literally threw this at me on air live while we were recording. He was like, yeah, come up with a sales letter for a sex toy. I was like, all right, cool. Let's go. So I did (laughs) so much more fun to do shit like that because it keeps you on your toes. So one of my last questions I want to ask you before we head out uh, today is simply about books and education. Yeah, and I'm very curious, what books would you suggest people read? Um, or even more so, if you were to give this to a kid or uh, give this to your kids, if you have them, uh, like, basically give it to someone that you really care about. Like, here you go. Uh, go do this. This is what I recommend you do. What books would they be?
1: Before I answer that question, I have to address the sex toy. Uh, uh, yes. So I, 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 I participate in a headline challenge. and. Ooh, nice. um, this is for a, it's like for a sex guide for seniors. How, how, how would you write a headline for that?
0: Oh, I could think about <laughs> four or five different ways. So Here's the one I came up with.
1: 60 Shades of Grey, the Just for Men S&M handbook that puts the whip back into Whippersnapper.
0: I like I, that. I, that, I want a computer. for <laughs> That is a brilliant thing. Wait, what type of computer? I'm curious. What kind of what? Computer. Oh, oh no, so it was a tablet, I mean. It was a tablet. Oh,
1: horrible amazon kindle but um i ended up i ended up giving that to a, to a client
0: always good like you can always give gifts and they always work but
1: yeah yeah i mean that so all right let's go with the
0: books i'm curious sure uh books books audio books just whatever like what you would recommend and trainings so any of the stuff like that that you put towards and be like you know what guys you should really go check this out okay i'm pulling up my ibooks yeah, this is what everyone does. So I catch them when they're like, "God damn it! Why didn't you give us a heads up?" I was like, "It's like catching a yeah. cold."
1: Um, okay, I'll just. Okay, you probably you've had dozens of people say this, but the the, the War of Art, Stephen Pressfield, yep. all about resistance, overcoming resistance. Um, uh... Hey, Whipple, squeeze this. This is Luke Sullivan and uh, Edward Boches, B-O-C-H-E-S, uh, the classic guide to writing great ads, mostly from an agency perspective, but it's, just, it's brilliant. It's, it's a fun read. It's a you-can't-put-it-down read. I would take it to the beach if you're doing some R&R. Um, awesome book. Um, I'll come up with a third one. So oh, kind of a must-read. must, must read. Never split the difference with Chris Voss. That's going to help you with to learn um, more, yeah, uh, unusual ones that some people like and other people won't like. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna give you an unusual strategy that I use instead. Go for so it. Every, every morning to get myself into you know part of my morning routine is I do this speed reading program. It's called IQ. Mm-hmm. EYEQ.com, com, And it's, I, it's eye training software. So most, most speed reading programs are like, Hey, here's how to speed read, but they don't actually make you read faster. Yeah. Um, this one actually trains your eyes by having objects move across the screen by having lines of text rapidly go across the screen. Um, I'm up to, I'm up to almost 900 words per minute. Wow. Um, and but what it does is in a really interesting way. It helps me with proofreading. Yeah because i train my eyes to look across the page up and down and in different directions i don't miss any words so it's very very rare that um i have to go in and and, and make corrections on i know i know we have spell check and uh i i don't use grammarly yeah um, but That's that but it also wakes me up it also gets me sharp and it it, it activates fires up the neurons what's this plate what's this then called iq uh it's- ey Spot again? E- E-Y-E-Q yep. com. That might not be.com, but if you put that in there in Google, then it'll show you the right address. I think it's ITY. Nope, that's not it.
0: Yep, no, that's not it.
1: Just type in EYEQ and space speed reading into your search. And it, it's like 12 bucks a month or 7 bucks a month or something like that. And you know, I went from three, I went from 175 words a minute to, to 800 over the course of, I don't know, four or five months. And uh, yeah, and, and, and so that's, you know, my iBook list is so big because I'm able to read books at speed and still have time for other things. And and yeah, anyways, it's fun.
0: That's pretty cool.
1: It's fun and weird. And I do some Duolingo stuff in the morning too, uh, studying Swedish. Oh, wow. How come uh, I lived there for a couple of years I am I, quite fluent but there's some fine tuning I need to do around grammar and uh, I was there last summer um, that's a picture of, of it behind me I'm glad to be socially distanced from Sweden right now because they're, they're struggling with coronavirus but yeah um, a beautiful yeah. yeah I think learning a second language at, and can be a good muscle to develop Agreed. Um, I don't know if you can like articulate the direct connection to, to writing copy, but
0: um, I can. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I speak multiple languages. So I speak mm-hmm. six fluently by blonde 18 in my life. Right. Um, yeah. That directly affects my ability to write copy. Cause I'm able to take analogies from one language, translate them into English and then make them work mm. in sales letters. I isn't mean, you're going to say, isn't
1: that, I was going to say, isn't, isn't that interesting because you can pull expressions from your language that, are are fresh and weird and unusual um yeah i was gonna
0: yeah so i've used I
1: my, my girlfriend is latvian and i said you know i said uh I, I need to go to the bathroom right now and she says oh you need to use your 21st finger and I, that's an expression they have there i was like that's yep. really smart
0: Oh yeah, for sure. It's like brilliant the way it is. You also have, um, so I found out one of my favorite Brazilian Portuguese phrases, which, uh, is a porra toda, which basically, so porra in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is quite easily like you'd say it in the gym, you'd say it at competitions and it's kind of like shits mm-hmm. or like, "oi," come over here. It's, it's very much like a colloquial term that you would use it. I found mm-hmm. out what it's literal meaning is social meaning is come. And apoha toda means there is come everywhere, which is your way of saying, oh, shit. Like the shit has hit the fan is there is come wow. everywhere.
1: So that is, you,
0: I fucking love that so much because that would that would be the legitimate answer to it. It's like you walked into a room, there has come everywhere. You're just like, nope, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. Sorry, not happening. It's that kind of thing. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. languages do definitely help because you can pull like different ideas, but as you understand their culture better, it gives you ideas of how to take their culture and use elements to tie it to your project and understanding. And even your discovery of that culture can be used as a story, uh, mm-hmm. if you know what you're doing. But mm-hmm. that being said, I'm going to bring this call to a close. Awesome, Guys, man. Uh, Craig has been, uh, Craig or Craig, I because I'm UK, because we're in the UK, we say Craig In the US they pronounce yeah. it. Craig in the how do we pronounce it in Canada?
1: Uh I've had I've had students call me different names. Grape, Chris, Christ, Crack, Crank. Uh Craig is good. Fair enough, Crank. Someone called you Crank. <laughs> was it the Jason Statham thing or the
0: who? Jason Statham. He had a movie called Crank.
1: Oh, did he? I don't know. Oh, no, fair enough. Was grape, it was my, grape was my favorite. That was um uh a student from Cambodia who just couldn't say my name. I, I corrected her five times and she said Grape. I was like, okay, that's my name.
0: Grape, Grape I'm is my name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, go check out Craig, uh, Craig David. Uh, it's, if I remember, copyjockeys.com. Please go check out his stuff, see if you can work with him if he's available. If not, follow him on his blog he has some really cool kick-ass shit on there as well. And as always, please rate, review, and subscribe to the channel and have yourself a lovely weekend. Guys, I will see you next week. And Craig, thanks for being here, man. Thanks everybody.